Thank you for tuning in to Conroe United Pentecostal Church today. We pray that this podcast is a blessing to you. If there is ever anything we can do for you, please email admin at conroeupc.org. may be seated this morning. Amen. We mark things that happen in our lives. We, we have mental markers that we place on big events. We, we mark those days when we look back when a current event happens and we reference those events. We mark them by the emotional attachment that we have to that moment. You, you look back and say, that was when I got married. Or that was when my 15th baby was born. We, we mark these by the moments and the amount of emotions that we attach to that moment. And then with, as time goes, we continue to mark these things. And over time, we will look back and base events that we want to remember, we want to process. We'll say, I believe that was the year before my 15th baby was born. Or that was the year after that I got married. Because we we begin to mark those moments in the year that they happened. We may not can remember the number, but we, we mark years because of the emotional things that have happened to us in those moments. And we mark those years. Uh, you may remember a, a particular vacation you took. and That was the year that you went to Disneyland, or that was the year that you had the, the staycation at home. And we mark those things. And, of course, the natural things in life, you, you mark. You mark that year that you, you got the new house. You mark the year that um, these events happened. And while, while many, many of these things have happened in time, we, we mark that period. We mark the year in our mind and in our spirit. Late last year, we began saying something big in 2018 in our church. And going into 18, we began to mark this as being a great year. And this year, I think we can testify. Uh, several of you have already come to me and told me of major uh, money situations that God has done for you in the past few months. And there are many big prayers that are being answered and around our church and our families of our church. Uh, and there already many of you can look back and say, this is a big year. But you'll look back with time and be able to mark it at 18. 18 was that big year in our lives. I, I want to read to you from Isaiah chapter 6, the first four verses this morning. If you don't mind, just keep your seat. It was the year that King Uzziah died that I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And above it stood the seraphims, which each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is 
the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled. Isaiah, this prophet that I often reference to as the poetic prophet. I even last week I, I mentioned Isaiah and my thoughts and thank yous for your kindness to us on Father's Day. But Isaiah, the, the prophet whom ministered to not one king, but five, five kings. Amaziah, Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, all kings of Judah. Some 80 years of living that he actually, as an adult, was a counselor and would give advice to these five different kings. He was, he was a man, if you read his writings, uh, they're, not, they're not rough around the edges. They're, they're poetic and they're flowy and, and they, they produce a much flowing thought. It's said that after 80 years of his ministry that he was cut in half to die. And uh, he, actually he was, he was a martyr. And they say that he was actually sawn in half as an elderly man. But this, it's this poetic prophet. It's in this, it's, it's this, it's in this talent of his, of his poetic ability. And the season of touching not one but five different kings. That Isaiah writes these words that we've read this morning. It was the year that Uzziah died. He had seen five kings come and five kings go. He had, he had been witness to the rise of a number, a number of kings. But when he wrote, his point of reference was not when a new king arose. But when he wrote this time, he wrote when an old king was passing away. It was the year that Uzziah died. He well could have said it was the year that King Jotham came to power. But no. He referenced here that it was, it was the year. He marked it with, he marked that moment in time with uh, the passing of one king, not the rising of another. It was, this was how that, that he, he marked, he marked the event that was taking place. Um, apparently, apparently this event had marked the event in such a way in the mind of Isaiah that this, this, this old king passing was something that was incredibly memorable. It's kind of like if you look in our American politics, we would say last year, 2017, was not the year that Mr. Trump took office, but it was the year that Mr. Obama left office. Our natural resource, our natural mind is we think of when the new guy comes in, not when the old guy goes out, but for some reason. For some reason, this was marked in Isaiah's mind as the year, the old guy, the year that Uzziah died. It was marked uh, by the event. It was something about Uzziah's death that merited such a, a visible reference to his passing. Uzziah. Uzziah, the tenth king of Judah. After the murder of his father Amaziah, Uzziah assumed the throne of the kingship at 16 years of age. And he was king of Israel 
for 52 years. He began his reign with a a successful expedition against his father's enemies. And there he began to conquer those that had come against his father. He had victories over the Edomites. Uh, He he had victory over certain of the Philistines. Uh, He waged war against the south. And he conquered kings like Maine and some of the Arabs. And everywhere he went, he went to battle. There There was victory. He sought, the Bible says, in those early years of his, of his kingship, that he sought the Lord earnestly. He was a warrior, but also he sought the Lord earnestly. And another prophet that served during that time, Zechariah, also merited a book in the, in the um, Old Testament. But he honored Zechariah, the man of God. He was careful to honor him, Zechariah. Zechariah was a prophet who saw visions, who had dreams, he had visions, and he had hope of great future and great prosperity for the land of Judah. And it was Zechariah who was very much involved with Uzziah as well as Isaiah. It was in the midst of this prosperity that the Bible tells us that he built towers. Uzziah built towers. There were things he built and left behind in his time. He dug wells. There was something... He was busy building something that was going to outlive himself. His kingship wouldn't just be marked by he came and he left, but he wanted to leave something behind. He wanted to leave a heritage. He he wanted to leave some memories. He wanted to leave something behind that uh, the next generation would remember that that was built. uh, And that was left to us by Uzziah. He had a host of fighting men. The talent that he had and the abilities he had and, and the state-of-the-art things that were involved in his, his kingdom. It was just like for 52 years, for, for some 50 or so years of his reign. It was just an incredible kingship. It was, it's described, though, that somewhere about year 49 or 50 of those 52 years that God began to shake things up in his world. He began to shake things up in his kingdom. He, there, there was an earthquake. There was an earthquake that came. And when the earthquake began to happen, the Bible references in the book of Zechariah and also Amos that there was a natural disaster that the people fled from and they ran from. This. And we learn by history that there was a tremendous earthquake that scared these people so bad. Many of them, they fled for their lives. God had begun to shake some things up. and The people fled. I, I just remember another verse that, that is shared with us. And that is everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And God had taken a moment to uh, begin to shake up some things uh, in, in, Uzziah's, uh, in Uzziah's life. It was, it was the end of his career. It was the end of this season that his prosperity began to wane. And his, his greatness began to be distorted. Uh, because the Bible says in Second Chronicles 26 and verse 16 that when... Uzziah was strong when he was strong. His heart was lifted up to his destruction. For he transgressed against the Lord his God. And he went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. Elated, Uzziah elated with his own success and with his own, his own uh, prosperity. His own zeal for God. Elated with these things. Uh, 
that one day he became very presumptuous in his his walk with God, and he knew he was the king, he had great victories, and he presumed one day to go to the house of God. And when he got there, he presumed to take upon himself, he was presumptuous that he, he would have the authority to burn incense to the Lord. But that was the place of the priesthood, and kings are not priests. And so and there was a moment that Ahaziah, the priest, and 80 other Eighty other priests, they, they withstood the king. They withstood Uzziah and said, you can't do this. You can't cross these lines. This is not intended for you. You're the king. You've got a lot of privilege, but there's some things that you, you can't do. And this bothered Uzziah. It was really something that enraged him, and he grew extremely angry. And so he forced his way past the priest. He forced his way past Ahaziah, the high priest. And he offered the incense anyway. And as he was doing this, the priests were astounded to watch what began to happen. Stick with me for a moment. Uh, But uh, they were astounded what began to happen in Uzziah's countenance. Because when he was... When he had pressed forward with his censer and he was offering the incense uh, anyway. The Bible tells the story how that the priest observed how that leprosy began to spring out uh, on his face, uh, on his countenance. And the disease came to him and he grew quite angry at the priest telling him, you're not going to tell me no. You're not going to withstand me. You're not going to keep me from doing what I want to do. And because he was unsubmitted to them and because he was presumptuous in some things that were not intended for him, this horrible disease began to pop out uh, on his face. And this was a moment, uh, this was a moment they would never, ever forget. Uh, Isaiah the priest uh, withstood him. I know what it is as a pastor. I know what it is as a man of God to withstand spirits at time. There's times uh, as, as, as a pastor that I've led you and we've withstood uh, spirits of oppression. There's times that as a pastor and as a church uh, that we've withstood spirits of depression. There's times that we've withstood uh, spirits of, of worldliness and, and spirits of confusion that we have. There, there's moments we've bound together and gone to prayer and we've unified our spirits uh, and we've prayed and believed that whatever was going on was not going to affect uh, the church. Uh, I've withstood things in some of your families. Uh, there's times that hell came at your family and as a pastor, I stood there and says, not on our watch, devil. You can't have that young man. You can't have that young lady. You can't have that marriage. And we've withstood those things in times past. Uh, there's been moments that, that I've watched as good people who love God, who became presumptuous in their walk with God, where they suddenly found themselves uh, in a place uh, where sin had taken over. They found themselves in a place uh, where, where that wrong had taken over. And we have withstood some of those things in the past. Uh, let me simply tell you, whenever you decide to withstand the attack of hell in your life, uh, wherever you draw the battle line, there's going to be a battle. You can't tell hell no. 
and hell not get mad about it and say, I will show you that that's not where the line's going to be. And wherever you draw your lines, get ready. You better be ready to fight a battle for that. You better be ready to fight for what you believe in. You better be able to withstand the attacks of the enemy because when you draw that line, that's just going to make him mad. Without a line, he can keep maneuvering you around. But when there's a line drawn, he, he's quick and he's, he's very determined to push you beyond your boundaries and push you beyond your, beyond your line. And when you draw the line, get ready. When you tell your kids, we're not missing any more Wednesday nights, get ready. Next Wednesday night, there's going to be a broke car and dirty dishes, dirty dishes and a sick baby and a dog that vomited all over the house. There's going to be something that came up to keep you out because I drew the line. I'll be at church Wednesday night. And just as soon as you make that determination, there's going to be a battle that's going to take place. You just said, you draw a line and say, I'm going to be faithful to God with my finance. The next thing's going to happen before you get to church the next time. Something's going to break and you've got to make a decision. Do I stick with my determination to stay with my line or is hell going to present something to force me back and take the territory that I've decided to take? I say this morning, when you draw the line, you be ready to withstand what's coming against you. When you say, I'll be at prayer meeting, you show up and pray. When you say, I'll be faithful to the house of God, you show up and you be faithful. Hell will come at you with everything that it can. But make up your mind. Not on my watch, devil. Not in this season, devil. You can't have it. You can't have my kids. You can't have my marriage. You can't have my finances. You can't have these things. Amen. Withstand those spirits that come against you. Withstand those things that presumptuously decide they're going to get you distracted. Amen. Amen, amen. It's, it's in this situation that Uzziah and Ahaziah have come face to face. And the man of God's withstanding. The prophet of God is praying in the background. And the king has, has suddenly, he's decided he's going to presumptuously do those things. But is it any wonder? Is it any wonder that's marked these 52 years of a king being a king and Uzziah reigning as he had? Is it any wonder? wonder then that when Isaiah, that poet prophet, would begin to write in Isaiah chapter 6, is it any wonder that he would remember the particular year he would never forget it? There'd been a lot of water under that bridge. There'd been a lot of current events. There'd been a lot of victories. There'd been a lot of battles. There'd been a lot of things that were go- had gone on in those years, in those 52 years. Is it any wonder then that, that you'd find, you'd find this poet prophet writing those words. It was the year that Uzziah died. Also that I, that I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne. It was, it's an amazing thing to me. I think that, that if you allow me for a moment, I want to, I want to talk about that human throne that was filled with a human, with a human man, with, with a king, with, with a natural man. I want to talk about for, for a moment, uh, that, that king who had served all those years, who had had great victories and he'd had some spiritual failures 
as well. That it's the prophet who, who sees uh, that there's a king uh, and this prophet has served all of these years and the throne has become quite a large part uh, of his ministry. The throne and the palace and the man who sat on that throne was quite a large portion of Isaiah's ministry, five of those kings. And he, Isaiah would, would deal with those things and pray with them and prophesy to them. But he said it was, it was when Uzziah died that I also saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. Here is a man who has served his life in faithful ministry. And he has, he has been there all of these years serving with different kings and different words from the Lord. And been there, been there high and faithful. But here's this good faithful man that he says it's when Uzziah died that I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. I want to say that it's very easy when you're a natural person to get so busy in life that you put all of your energies and all of your time focusing upon human thrones, focusing upon things of the natural, uh, where you're so focused uh, on what's going on in your world and what's going on in your career and what's going on in your finances and what's going on in your family, that that becomes the throne of your life. Uh, My kids and my family, my situations and my marriage and my career and my retirement, all of that, that gets set up on a throne and a pedestal in your life. But there was this moment that this man of God says, when I saw this earthly throne empty and I saw this king that I had served all of these years, I saw him pass and now his throne was empty. He says, it was the year that Uzziah died. It was the year that Uzziah vacated the throne that I was able to see beyond the throne and the man in the throne. And when I saw, it was an amazing thing that I saw because when Uzziah died, when he was out of the throne, it was that moment that I saw the Lord sitting on a throne. I've come this Sunday morning to say it's very easy to spend too much time looking at human thrones. It's very easy to spend too much time looking at human circumstance. It's too easy to spend too much time looking at what happened, what's happening, and what might happen. But I declare declare unto you today. Do you keep your eyes, take your eyes off the thrones of humanity. Take your eyes off the thrones of failure. Take your eyes off the throne of current events and get your eyes on a throne where there's a God that's sitting high, high and lifted up. It is too easy. It is too easy to look at earthly things. It is too easy to look at things that hurt you. It is too easy to look at things that have have disappointed you. It is too easy to look at things that have distracted you. But I suggest on this Sunday morning, look beyond the throne of a Uzziah. Let Uzziah die. Let Uzziah die because he's blocking your vision of a God who's sitting on a throne that's much greater than he is. Amen. 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 This builds my faith today. I don't want to be focused on distractions. I don't want to stay focused too much on earthly things and worldly things. But as a pastor and as a man, as a father, as a husband, as a grandfather, I want to be pointing at heavenly things. I want my eyes up there. Amen. It was 
It was Mark Twain who said, it's impossible to point out the stars to a man that all he can see is the tip of your finger. And if you're, I mean, there's stars, there's galaxies, there's so much out there that's greater. But so many times we get caught in our humanity. And when there's, and when there's somebody pointing, look at the stars, look at the beauty, look at the dreams, look at the miraculous, look at the supernatural, look at the extraterrestrial, look at all of that stuff that's out there. It's too easy for us. Instead of looking at what's being pointed at, we get so focused on the finger. We get focused on the man. We get focused on the humanity. We get focused on the flesh of all of that. But I declare and I suggest and I challenge you this Sunday morning. Get your eyes off the finger that's pointing that way. And look at what's up there. There's a God who sits on a throne. He's great and he's wonderful. He's so majestic that his glory, his train, it fills the temple. Amen. When you see him, you find glory in the house of God. When you see him, you find wonder in the house of God. When you see him, you find miraculous in the house of God. Get your eyes off of flesh. Get your eyes off of man. Get your eyes off of a finger. But look beyond that earthly throne and get an eye. Get an eye on a heavenly throne. Get an eye on that heavenly, heavenly throne. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it brings me to a place where I can, I can really, really grow excited about Joel chapter 2. Joel 2 is actually the prophetic voice of what would happen in Acts chapter 2. And when you hear many of those quotations in Acts chapter 2, upon my sons and upon my handmaidens, and, and the last days saith God, I will pour out my spirit. And those are Acts 2 quotations that we love to quote, but those are really references all the way back to Joel 2, because Joel had received such a, such a revelation from the Lord. And it's in Joel chapter 2 and verse 21 that I find something exciting begin to happen in the Scripture. Fear not, uh, O land. Fear not, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord will do great things. Be not afraid, ye beasts of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness do spring. For the tree bears her fruit, the fig tree and the vine do yield their strength. Be glad then, children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he hath given you the former rain moderately, and he will also cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. You know, when you read things about the former and the latter rain, I don't want to take the pig trail off the wrong direction, but it always says uh, that the former rain was good, but the latter rain's going to be better. And let me simply say this, uh, you might have had some great experiences with God yesterday, but what's coming down the road your way is going to be better. The church is not bad. The church is not, dis- you're not going to hell. The church is not a failure. Amen. 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 We don't want to focus on how good it was yesterday because we've got a promise from the word of God. It's going to be better tomorrow. And so I'm reaching for tomorrow. I'm stretching for tomorrow. I'm grasping for a church that's alive. Amen. Amen. And the floors shall be filled with wheat and the fats thereof shall overflow. Think about it. The, the, the fats shall overflow, or, or the, the tanks, uh, the barrels, uh, the containers that store the harvest, uh, they shall overflow with wine and with oil. 
And verse 25, and I will restore to you the years. There's some things that go on in life. When we got busy looking at what was pointing and not what was being pointed at, that we got distracted. There's some things that gone on when we focused on Uzziah that was but a man. But beyond him was a God who filled a throne, who was filled with wonder. And the word of God here says, I have every plan to come in and give you a better future than you had a past. I have a plan to fill your barns. I have a plan to give you great harvest. I have a plan to fill your vats until they overflow. But better than filling what you've got right now, I intend to restore the years. I come with a word for God for somebody this morning. He's going to restore some years. He's going to restore some faith. He's going to restore some confidence. He's going to restore some joy. I will restore the years. <laughs> you had a bad year, get ready. God's going to restore the year. You had a bad season of years, get ready. God is going to restore that series of years. He promised, I will restore the years. Hallelujah. This makes my faith rise up. This makes me want to stand to my feet and lift my voice and say, thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. I refuse to live in the pessimisms of yesterday, but rather I look to the hill from which cometh my help. I look to the author. I look to the author and the finisher of my faith. He started it. He started it. He started it. He's going to finish it. Ah, hallelujah. This releases my faith. This releases my hope. This lets me know that yesterday was good.